0: Welcome to episode 74 of Val F.A. Stuttgart American, an American-based English-language Val F.A. Stuttgart fan podcast where our views are unofficial, uninformed, usually unprepared. Joining me, as almost always, is Matt. Matt, we were talking off the air in the green, green room, if you will, that we are really unprepared because we have our first win since November 8th of 2022. I didn't send you any notes. I didn't send you really any idea you were going to be on this uh episode this this week how do we what do we do i don't know what to do
1: between winning which we haven't done in forever and the even bigger lack of preparation we normally have i kind of don't know what to do with my hands but (laughs) i'm sorry i i checked the the cover to see about the uh confetti and it was expired since the last win so i need to get some new confetti um but i guess we'll just roll with it and see what happens
0: To part one, we're gonna talk about some shout-outs in part one. Uh, tip spiel winner is Steven, two points over me. Yo, so I got uh I'm catching up with him. He's in first place, then Doug, then myself. Uh Steven's first uh third win of the season in fantasy. It's Jens again. He has won seven times a series, 200 points in the lead. He has just taken that thing by storm. Um, any shout outs, Matt, that you've got uh, you want to throw out to anybody?
1: I'm to shout out Hannes uh, for both his performance on the podcast last week. Some really great insight. Um, and then also for pointing out something very interesting about the lineup to me on Twitter that I'm sure we'll get to when we get there.
0: I do like that I gave you credit instead of him for it on Twitter. I realized that later. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> I know. Always cite your sources, kid. Take that from your history teacher right there, <laughs> even if it's the wrong one. Uh, speaking of history teacher, my name is Travis. You can reach me at Hazelfish. That's Matt. You can reach him at Sail Racer. This is Valpy Americana on the Twitter machine. You can reach us on our website, Um, Matt, this is your 35th episode, Famous 35s. There was only one. Do you remember Marcin Kaminsky, center back from a few years ago?
1: Just barely. I remember him being another in a long line of guys that I looked at and went, he should be all right, and was wrong about.
0: <laughs> that's pretty much your common refrain when you talk about anybody on this team. <laughs> that's it. Do you know who he plays for now though? I don't. Shalka. Oh that's uh uh-huh. that's what we call a tease in the podcast business. Mm-hmm. Right there. Well, all right. Enough teasing. Let's get into the big news, Matt. We won a game. I mean, let's, Finally. Just, let's let that sink in a little bit. And not only did we win, we won comfortably enough to where we did massive substitutions at the end. We saw guys who haven't played in forever get into the match. Um, The kicker headline was, quote, Valfi Stuttgart can still win, end quote. And I thought that's actually somewhat brutal, but super accurate. So let's let's just deal with that. It's been since November 8th, like I said in the intro against Hertha Berlin at home, a two to one win. Um, Just the fact we got three points after so long. I mean, my goodness, it's how can you not be on cloud nine after that?
1: Not only that we got three points, um, but we did it in a dominant fashion. The guys really played incredibly well. And, on top of that, it was a clean sheet, which is the first clean sheet we've had at home since <clears throat> I think you and I were in high school.
0: <laughs> 31 games, a Bundesliga record. So take that, everybody trying to catch us.
1: We're going to be unstoppable. We've got Fabian Bredlow now in net. Never never let up a goal as a starter for us. <laughs> You're going to be unstoppable. A- you're going to be impossible to deal with for now 100 100 (laughs) percent, completely insuperable well it's funny i will will say real quick just on breadlow and then i'll I'll let this go so we can talk about more germane things um he only had to make a couple stops which was great the defense played really well in front of him but he was never screamingly wildly out of position which was a nice change of pace
0: you know let's just jump right into that i mean one of the things that I was able to do before the match is have an interview with FC overall, which is the American based Cologne podcast. And they have sworn now to never do a pregame podcast ever, or just interview us at all because it didn't work out so well for them. But I was pretty concerned going in. The only thing I thought we had going for us was, well, Cologne might have a bit of a carnival hangover, which they hmm. may have, was that I really thought the first 10 to 20 minutes of that game would let us know how the rest of the match was gonna go. Because we knew they were gonna come fired up out, because I think under Bruno, at least, that's what you've seen, a bit of an impetus there. And boy, howdy, I mean, did they let let's talk about you know Bruno, his decision to go with Bredlow. Like you said, there's only really two big moments that Bredlow had, the five minute mark and the 29th minute mark. But they were pretty, I like what you said, they were pretty convincing. Uh, blocks they were they weren't the most difficult blocks in the world but he made them look not difficult which is something we haven't seen in a while.
1: Yeah they were they were non-events and it's something that uh one of my hockey coaches growing up drilled into my head as a defender. He said, you want people to forget that you're on the ice. Because if you're doing a good job, you're making what you do boring and People don't get excited about you, which is fine. And we want a boring goalie who's in the right place, who doesn't do anything stupid um, and just makes the play that's there to make. And that's what Bredlow did. That's all I had to do. And that's what he did.
0: Yeah. I don't think we should go over the top too much. He's only played two matches. I don't think he's been tested too much in either of those matches, Uh, but yeah, it was just finally getting a clean sheet. He looked in control back there. I mean, it's, all you can say Mm -hmm. and unfortunately for Flo Mueller is there was an interesting scene at the end of the uh, game where both he and Timo Horn who is now the backup for F.C. Cologne he was our longtime starter played I think something like 200 300 games something crazy like that Um, they kind of embraced each other at the end of the game and it was almost like a yeah me too type of moment (laughs) for him but yeah so he looked he looked solid back there let's Look at the back line. So you had Sosa back there, Ito back there, Dino in for Dan Axel, and Anton, once again, on right back. Now, this is going to get into a couple questions because from one of the articles I read, Dino was actually sitting the Freiburg match because he asked to go out because he was exhausted. And so Dan Axel came in to play for him. And if that was, in fact, the case, I almost feel like we owe, well, maybe Bruno an apology If one of the players says, I can't go, well, that's Dan Axel's job. He was brought in by Sven to be a backup. I think Bruno sees him as a starter, but he just, it's not really working out. So if that's in fact what happened, then you know what? Hats off to Bruno for, to listen to his player, I guess, and put him back in, you know, when he was healthy again.
1: Yeah. And I, I like that idea. You got to give guys, especially like I worry about, Dino, I worry about Endo, mm-hmm. um, Ito, the guys that play all game, every game, all the time. They need breaks every now and then. And Zagadu's frustrating because he's got mountains of talent, and he just like Muller can't seem to get out of his own way. But he needs to be able to do that. So if that's if that's true, that Dino just said, hey, I'm I'm gassed. I need a break. A, hey, good on you Dino for recognizing that you need that admitting it to yourself and to your coach and good on you uh, Bruno for listening to your players and responding appropriately. Now Dan Axel like come on buddy we need a little more from you but
0: Yeah it would have been interesting to see if had they had won that Freiburg match and Dan Axel had not given up those two penalty kicks had Bruno done the same thing that he did with Fabian Bredlow to Mueller you know if well, you know, we got a result. Sorry, Dino, you're exhausted. Well, you're gonna rest up a little bit more, but you know, it didn't happen there. We had Anton on a right back, and there's a number of questions later in the podcast asking about you know this experiment. And here's what I saw with Anton and right back during that, that match is that we'll never question his heart or his hustle, he was all over the pitch. That guy was, I was surprised his rating was only a 3 5 by kicker. I thought he played much better than that he was just everywhere and i think you mentioned it earlier that one of the things about this match is that sugar dominated this match it Mm -hmm. it was a one-sided affair that could have ended up like five one six one it was just it was all valve bay all the way and the guys were everywhere they were tackling they were hustling their body language was great they were all over the pitch and the guy that stuck out to me was anton he was just everywhere. Now he crosses about as well as I cross (laughs) He doesn't on the (laughs) offensive end, but he is everywhere. And somebody said it on Twitter. I I can understand why if he may not be the best right back, but he's going to give you a lot of defensive stability. He's going to hustle. He's going to yell over the pitch. I still think it's an experiment. That's not going to really, I don't want to say work, but it's not a long-term thing for this club Mm. but man I thought he was kind of the heart and soul of that team on Saturday because he was everywhere and that team was everywhere so you got a couple things you can talk about here Matt you got Dino coming back to play in center back he was everywhere sacrificing his body and then you got the the thing that Stuttgart supporters can't shut up about is Anton at right back which one of those you want to tackle
1: well let let's do both. And just real quick on Dino, it was great to see him back. And when he had that weird fall that he yeah. landed flat on his back from about 30 feet up in the air, <laughs> um, I I felt my back crack in sympathy for what he did. That just looked painful, but he's, he's steady and solid in the back, which is what you want out of a center back. Um, so that super, super happy to have him back. Anton, one of the things I noticed is he looked a little more comfortable at right back, and he looked like he was getting into some of the slots that you want a um a hybrid. I, I feel kind of like we're playing with our, our defensive backs, kind of a hybrid wingback position where Lavadilla wants him getting up the field, wants him pushing. And so we saw Anton doing more of that and getting more involved with the offense, but still tracking back well and not looking – confused about where he was supposed to be as much as he had been not being kind of there's like an in-between place where you're not playing defense but you're not involved in the attack I felt like the last couple weeks he was in that in-between place a lot so in, in this game I felt like he was a lot more joining the attack in effective spots now there were a couple opportunities where he had the ball in the box or near the box and like you said you you would have been as good on the ball as he was. And that's some of that's going to be comfort. You know, that's not something he's used to doing. Um, I'm sure he has the ball handling skills to be able to do some of that stuff, but um it was good to see him more comfortable. I would still rather see a Dino Ito Anton rotation in center back. And like when, when, Uh, Dino is tired. Why not move Anton to center back and bring in Stenzel to play right back? And I bet the answer to that is we're trying to get Anton comfortable playing right back. So we don't want to shift him and start breaking some of those habits. But you got to put the best lineup you got every week.
0: That's an interesting point. I I remember when we had Andres back uh, years ago and you weren't a huge fan of him. And I Mm -hmm. My whole thought of, with him was, if you don't know, remember, he played for Stuttgart for a long time. They kind of moved around a bit and um, came back to Stuttgart, and unfortunately, during one of our relegation campaigns. And he was a classic right back. And it, my whole theory with him is he is a cog that makes the part move. He's not a, the most important part. He's certainly not the best part, but mm-hmm. he is a cog in the whole machine that makes it run because he has a particular skill set. That nobody else can do, and even though he's not probably better than a couple of you guys on the bench, that's why it, it seems like we're going the opposite direction here with Valdi Anton. That Bruno's like, I'm going to put the best guy on the pitch. That's Valdemar Anton. He's better than Josh Vagnemont, He's better than Stenzel. Whoever's you know else he, we can put back there, and I'm just going to make him learn how to be a right back, come hell or high water. Um, how, how that's going to work. So maybe that's what it is happening. I do find your comment interesting that maybe he's growing comfortable into the position.
1: It could just take reps right in and, and time and maybe the the extra practice he's getting there and the extra game experience he's getting there is starting to, to click in and he's feeling it. You know, the, there's a lot of different your uh, your thought process, the flow chart in your brain about what I do when different things happen is going to be a lot different for a right back than this for a center back. And so that's a big shift for him. Um and it might just take some time and we might be sitting here in three or four weeks saying, Man, what a genius move to move Anton out <laughs> to right back.
0: I don't know. And I'd I'm, rather I'm delete... not feeling it
1: yet, but maybe
0: <laughs> I'd rather delete this podcast like most of our listeners <laughs> than admit we were wrong ever at all. stand yeah. firm. I have to admit uh that I'm gonna give you the floor right now. So Luca Pfeiffer sat out of this match, they put Silas up front. So you had Furych, Silas, and Diaz. Uh, up front uh, Matt I'm gonna give you the floor right now because I believe it was you it was Hannes maybe it was some hybrid of you two that said you know what this is the answer to some of our problems we put Silas loss up front he can do some damage up there uh, he certainly did like Anton he was all over the place he wanted a goal so bad <laughs> you could just see it it didn't happen but man if he keeps playing like that I think it's gonna come pretty soon
1: yeah, and even there was a couple opportunities where he had a an opportunity in the past that was better than a shot that he should have taken. But like, like you mentioned, he just wants to get on the score sheet so bad and wants to – I think he wants to deliver for the fans, mm-hmm. honestly. I don't think it's um, really selfish with him. Um, but that's just feelings ball on my part. So I, I posted to Twitter – Bredlow, I put the the lineup out there if anybody wants to go see. Uh, Bredlow, thumbs up. Uh, Antana, right back, thumbs down. Mvumpa, uh, center forward with a shrug emoji. And I didn't really know what to think about it. And about 10 minutes into the game, um, Honest replied to me and said, hey, I really feel like this could be a good move because he can use his speed and athleticism to cause problems for the defense and not have any responsibilities around tracking back and that makes a whole lot of sense when you think about like we were talking about with Anton you know getting the right backs and the left back pushing off the field some that center forward is the one guy whose job is just to kind of go and do stuff and see what happens for Diaz and Purich they're going to need to overlap back with Anton Endo and Haraguchi and Sosa on their respective sides to cover and switch on and off. Um, Silas doesn't have to do that as the center forward. So if he can just really harry the defense and push them back and create space for his teammates, that could be huge for us. And it's going to take a little bit of a a mental adjustment for him to know that he's not always going to be the guy getting the goal. And he's not the target, and that's okay. Uh, But his job is to create space for his teammates as much as it is to put the ball in the back of the net. I think he could really grow into that role.
0: I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Uh, Part of it was because, you know, with Sasha Kalajic being gone, our version of a center forward striker is completely shifting because he was just one of a kind and he was ours, and, and those days are gone. And we all thought Luca Pfeiffer could at least be a poor man's version of that. And unfortunately yeah. it just, it's not working out that way. That's, that's not the type of player he is. I love seeing Silas up there. He was just sprinting all over the place. He was forcing Cologne to get into their offense a little bit quicker than maybe they wanted to Cologne mm-hmm. sluggish all game. And I think that's going to be one of the things that'll be interesting to see next week is, was it because of what sugar was doing? Was it because of, the great run that Cologne was on, you know, who knows what the answer is, but having Silas up there, we talked about this a couple of years ago with this team that having Selas up there and having Koulibaly on the one wing when he was playing quite a bit, you have to pay attention to that. And as a defense, you can't just hunker down and, and not worry about their speed or a counter or something like that. And with Selas up there, you have to worry about that. And yeah. uh, Furrich may be a bull in a China shop, but he's got speed, so you gotta worry about that. Uh, Gil Diaz is is turning into something really interesting. But with Silas up there, you got to worry about that a lot. So I thought that was a, a great move. and, and I 100 percent agree with what you said is I think one of the things we'll find is that this club struggled with was putting Silas as a wing back, which is sort of what he was playing it seemed like the big criticism against him was, well, he's not tracking back on defense. It's just, he's not playing as much defense as, as that position requires. I am in a hundred percent agreeing with you that putting him in a position where all he's got to worry about is that half of the field, basically, just suits his strengths. And I think we saw it on Saturday.
1: Yeah. And it created opportunities for other people. And that's a position to, we, we've referred to Koulibaly before as an agent of chaos Like, I know he came in for Diaz later in the game, but Koulibaly could really easily slot in behind Silas in that role of just go and run and be super annoying to the other team's defenders. And we've got a couple of guys who are really fast, who have maybe questionable ball handling skills (laughs) um, that can fulfill that role. And so that makes a lot of sense. And something that Endo had said during, um, I want to call it preseason because the layoff for the World Cup was so long. <laughs> but that, that mid-season camp was that uh, Deal was simplifying things, right? And and just making everything much more cut and dry about who is responsible for what. And so it makes a lot of sense to me that he would say to Silas, just go up here and cause problems for the defense and try and create offensive opportunities, full stop. That's all I need you to do. And that Silas would find that freeing and that he could relax and just go do whatever he felt was best. And we we saw dividends from it. He freed up space for Diaz to have a tremendous finish. Fierich had a couple good opportunities. Um, we had room in the box and room in the attacking third, which is not something we've had in a long time.
0: Yeah, it's, it's crazy because you don't want to go too overboard because it's just one match. And it's one win, but we haven't had one win in quite, quite some time. So you want to balance things out a little bit. And so let's get into the game just a little bit. So I kind of want to talk about some of the goals, but you, I believe, watched it live. I watched Mm -hmm. it record and I tried to avoid seeing the scores and I wasn't able to do that. So I knew going in what the result was. And you've mentioned this before that watching it recorded and knowing the result, you can see it in such a different avenue. Than how you do live whereas live you're on the seat of your pants you're just you're stressed the whole time watching it recorded as i watched that first half knowing the score is like stuart is dominating this match okay dominating this match that gil diaz goal the one two he had with harry gucci was just was beautiful in the ninth minute um but had i been watching it live i would have been like oh come on see loss he blew that chance at the 26th minute uh, diaz had another sort of opportunity in the 40th minute. Going into halftime, you're like, we're only up one nothing, and we've been dominating this match. This is the story of the season. Um, so, it's I, that's one of the reasons I don't want to go too overboard because, as great as we've looked that first half, we've looked great in various halves this season, and we've come out with draws. So, I don't want to go bananas because I do want to get into this later about, you know, Bruno Ball is not supposed to be fun football. That was a fun match on Saturday. They played yeah. fun football. But had I been watching it live, and so I kind of want to see if I can get your comment on this. I might have had a really different perspective on how that first half went down.
1: you watching live and, and I was on both the the OFC discord and on the Reddit discord and popping back and forth and seeing what was going on. And shout out to the, the folks on both of those for making game day live watches a little more entertaining, <laughs> especially when the games are boring, which wasn't a problem with this clone game. But uh, it felt a lot more back and forth. And if you look at the possession numbers, uh, Colin had 54% possession through the game. And uh, they had 12 shots. And um, it, it was a lot. The numbers show a much closer game than the scoreboard does. And the feeling live alive until, uh, until late in the second half was much more, at least for me, a... When are we gonna screw this up? I know. Like at at some point, this is gonna come back to bite us. And it wasn't really. Uh, Sosa got his goal at the at the 59th minute, and then about like the 65th minute, uh, when Shkiri had his yellow card, you could feel the momentum of the game changing, and that the Colm players were just. Kind of an oh come on <laughs> uh mode and our guys were smelling blood in the water and, and going after it which was fun and cool to see but it it did not feel like a blowout watching it live until the game was nearly over it felt like colin was gonna wake up and punch us in the mouth any minute
0: especially the first eight minutes of the second half cologne came out on fire I believe yeah. They had a free kick right before Borna had his goal right in front of the goal. And you're just like, Oh boy, here, here it is. Here it comes. And they they were able to avoid that. They were able to get the momentum back. So around the 53rd minute, 55th minute, the, the game started to shift again. It just looked like Cologne was, they were sluggish. And again, I don't know if it's because of them, if it's because of us, whatever the case may be. But I think one of the things we need to talk about too here is luck. It was finally on our side. The guilty goal was a beauty of a goal. The, born a Sosa goal was a beauty of a goal, but they both hit the bar mm-hmm. once they both went into the net. So, I mean, I put on Twitter, it's like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen a goal. And in one of the pictures on our ESPN feed, you could see Godsy, uh, 0815 the Reddit thing. You'd see him celebrating behind the Gildias goal. So it was just two beautiful moments. It once if you don't know who we're talking about, he's great on Twitter, runs the Reddit page for us. Um, but it was just awesome to see, but we finally had opportunities go in. We finally had luck on our side. And it, you know, after that second goal, I'm guessing if you're watching live, you're like, all right, this is going to be our day.
1: Yeah. It really started to feel like, I I didn't think the momentum fully turned until right before Kula goal, but it, you started to feel it when Diaz, first of all, Diaz's goal, beautiful. And Diaz has a nice touch and a good finish, which isn't something we've had um, in quite a while. Uh, even um, even uh, Sasa was a little bit of a, a hammer up there. Sometimes Diaz feels a little bit more finesse kind of guy, which is cool and it's fun. And I feel comfortable saying that now because we've seen him do it more than once. Um, But Sosa's free kick, that's something we've been waiting for from that dude for how long? Like, I don't remember the last time we scored on a set piece, aside from the endo-wonderful marcher bingo cards. (laughs) Um, It just, it was phenomenal. And yes, absolutely, we got some luck go our way. Uh, We had some no-calls go our way, finally. We had some calls go our way, uh, some 50-50 decisions go our way, and it was, it, it made all the difference in the world.
0: Yeah, and the other thing that made a big difference was Koulibaly coming in. And the, he sealed the deal with a, a goal, and it was a deflected goal, whatever, but it it, mm-hmm. it all counts in the scorebook here. Uh, it was his birthday. He scored after only a minute coming in. Uh, somebody put on Twitter that he's the official Cologne killer. He scored two goals against them when they came to the States. He scored this goal. I'm really interested in this substitution because Koulibaly was in the doghouse, right? He got called out during this training camp. He wasn't even on the bench for at least two matches as we started 2023. He was on the bench for the Pokal game or the Leipzig game uh, because they had no players. Everybody was red carded or hurt or whatever. Not only does he get into this game, but he performs, which is just awesome. I'm going to take this back to Bruno a little bit in Koulibaly, is that I think many of us were willing to let Koulibaly walk. And I think ultimately many of us probably are, you know, at the end of the day, as much as we yeah. we do like him. Hats off to him for working his way back into the rotation. Hats off to Bruno to letting the not holding grudges, I guess. I mean, it would have been very easy. I don't think coolbali fits into a Bruno system. He's 5'8, he's fast, he's unreliable with the ball. The mm-hmm. the one match that he did go in earlier this season you were wondering why is he even in there? His passes are going nowhere. He can't really cross it. I don't really know exactly what he does, but he came in for Gil Diaz, played that up front spot. And, you know, he was one of the guys that were just, you said were hungry for more. They wanted more goals. So I just want to talk about cool life for a second, because he was kind of the odd man out for a bit. I don't know if this is going to change much for him, but it was Need to see him back in there on his birthday. I mean, you can't write a much better story than that.
1: You almost wonder if this isn't, and maybe I'm putting a little bit of a tin foil hat on here, but if this isn't part of a long game plan that Bruno has, you know, with with Anton at right back, we're going to have growing pains. Maybe with Koulibaly, he felt like he needed to put him in the doghouse for a little while to get his attitude right, and. Maybe Kulavali and Enzo Malo both had the best weeks of training they've had all year, and so Bruno made sure they saw the field. Um, We don't know because we're not in the locker room, but it was exciting to see Koulibaly come on and have success. He seems like a nice guy who has a lot of fun playing yeah and it's always more fun to watch players who are enjoying themselves uh, than (laughs) (laughs) grumpy jerks what's a holder Um, bad stuber (laughs) testify (laughs) so and and on his birthday like that's got to be a little extra special bag of gold on your birthday
0: yeah it, it was interesting to see some of the the patterns that took place and i'm curious if some of these patterns will be Consistent as the year goes on, Koubali cool in for Gil Dias, so to speak. Wagnermon came in for Chris Furich, which that was kind of odd, but could have been just, you know, they were trying to put in some more defense as the game was, you know, winding down a little bit there. But, you know, Chestnut McCaw, he wasn't on the bench. You know, Tomas Casanaris, <laughs> he, he wasn't there. Lillian Agaloff has been lost to the ether at this point. Uh, we talked about this a couple episodes ago, that some guys respond well to being called out, and some guys do not respond well being called out. Pellegrino did not call guys out. That's probably the approach that I would take as, as a manager or as a coach. You know, I think there's a lot you can say inside the locker room. Mm -hmm. Um, So the matchins, you know, how we all wanted to, I think I'm going to end with this. It was just awesome to see the guys celebrate for once. It was awesome to see the curve go nuts. It was awesome to see just everybody happy for once in such A long time. The OFC was happy. We didn't get any snarky uh, votes for man of the match this time. Borna Sosa won it. So congratulations, Borna. 55% of the vote. Although I did find this interesting. We did have one person who voted for Bruno. Said, hey, you know, let's give uh, kudos what kudos is due. And we did have one person say, shut up. That's all they said, which is shut up. (laughs) So (laughs) we got that. Uh, Dino and Borna were both members of the kicker starting 11. So you know, all in all, it was just a good day for uh, the guys in the uh, the red and white. Um, Matt, anything to r- wrap this up before we get into news and headlines and questions? I mean, it was a dominating performance. It was a deserved win. The guys looked great, gave them that boost of confidence we're going to need going into next week. There's just, we're in an awkward position because we're not used to so much happiness and positivity.
1: <laughs> well, you had mentioned the curve and that was something that, I noticed all game long. Like we we comment regularly about how impressive the Stuttgart fans are and how much noise they make. It was deafening even over the broadcast how loud and powerful they were and I didn't hear a boo out of the Köln supporters and we saw on the broadcast cuz the ESPN folks were taking some pains to make sure that we saw the goofy hats that the Köln supporters were wearing <laughs> um which was fun. You know, I tip of the hat to the director for for showing some of that stuff but we didn't hear anything from the cologne supporters because the Stuttgart fans were just so loud yeah which was awesome and it was nice to to have a um we're being loud because we're celebrating and not we're being loud because we're trying to push our team onto mm-hmm. doing something
0: congratulations to uh the guys from the american fc cologne supporters they were over there for that match and mm-hmm. they got to see you know Stuttgart over there the last few games that they've seen most of them went to the usa game and most of them went to this game so uh, i think as you said on twitter whatever we can do to get jake and 50 plus donor and all those guys to go to every stugart match we need to crowdsource because they're apparently our good luck
1: oh every game from here on out i think we need to make sure they're all in attendance
0: <laughs> well matt that pretty much wraps up the first half of this do you want to hit some news headlines and questions here
1: I want to hear that sweet new drum bumper you have. And then, yes, let's do the news and headlines. Oh, the tech. The tech!
0: So, Matt, I almost feel like we didn't give the victory the justice it deserves. But then there's part of me that feels like... Okay, we've talked about it over and over again because they're so they're so rare. One of the things I want to do is kind of jump back in time and look at some of last week's news. So one of the things that Bruno said last week that we kind of ripped him on was listen, Valdemar Anton is a right back and he's great. He's gonna be really good at it. And one of the things we didn't rip him on was Bredlow as goalie, you know, how good he had done in the, you know, uh Briber game. And so we're going to go with him there. Uh, Hannah said, you know, I think Anton has been much improved at right back. How do you see him? Does he have a future there? Or is it just Cologne didn't play, you know, very well? And Tim, you know, at Yuri Shumi fan, you know, said, you know, he's our only option right now outside of Agnemon. And Anton's played well enough to hold on to that. So last week, and really the three, four weeks prior to this, we were pretty critical of this decision. We've already talked about this a bit do you just think it's a case of anton's growing into the position or is it a case that clone just had an off day
1: i didn't think it was a case of him growing into the position until this week and Clone certainly had a little bit of an off day <clears throat> but there are things like anton's positioning right that's pretty uh opponent independent and He's mov- he was moving in the lanes when he needed to. He was getting back when he needed to. He wasn't sitting in that no-man's-land area. So I, I think that's a good sign, and I think we saw a good improvement. Now, maybe against a, a fully weaponized clone team um, who were in it to win it, we wouldn't have seen that. You know Maybe Freiberg or Unian would have punished him some more, but he's definitely showing signs that he can do this and that he's comfortable with it. So uh, at this point, I'm, I'm ready to put my thumbs down away and move <laughs> into to shrug mode. And I'm in wait and see, you know, show me. Let's see how this works.
0: I like that. The official mad approval system. Thumbs down, <laughs> shrug, thumbs up. <laughs> It'll be inter- interesting to see how he does against Schalke, right? Because Cologne plays mm-hmm. a very attacking, straightforward style. Schalke just said, I think the Bundesliga record, four straight nil-nil games in a row. So it seems like they're playing a very defensive style. So it'll be interesting to see if Anton gets caught playing too much offense, which isn't exactly his forte this, this weekend, or if he's just really grown into it. The other thing we talked about last time was build came out with a, you know, article before the match about how there was four reasons to explain why Bruno wasn't having success. There was lack of execution with our chances, individual Mm -hmm. mistakes, unfortunate referee decisions and lack of quality. The thing that struck me this week is we finally had a game with almost none of that. It was like you could argue we missed some of our chances, but we at least converted three. I'm trying to think back. When was the last time we had a match where you had almost none of those negatives?
1: I don't remember one. Honestly. It's it's been so long. And even you look at the the XG, the much maligned stat, but something that you know we look to as just sort of a guidepost. Um, our XG was one five nine and we got three out of that. Normally, if we get one five, nine XG, we maybe got a goal. Nah. That that's been our luck lately, right? So we've had things go off post and out instead of off post and in. We've had things go slightly over the bar instead of slightly under the bar, or shots go straight into to goalies or off a defender and out of bounds versus off the defender and in the net. So a lot of luck. Um, I thought the ref did a pretty solid job against two teams that were pretty spicy mm. by the end um but we we didn't see uh, a ref show. we weren't getting the um Breisch uh, let me see how I can screw Stuttgart today um kind of mentality. I yeah we the all the stuff that was going against Bruno was the same stuff that was going against Monrazzo. Mm-hmm. And what we saw on Saturday was just that a couple of those things went the other direction and that made all the difference in the world.
0: It was nuts though, how chippy this game got like it. Mm-hmm. And these are two clubs that don't have a history of dislike to my knowledge. And they're basically, they're basically two of the same exact clubs. They both have upper management chaos. They're both, traditional clubs they both have a lot of pressure in the cities in which they're at they both underperform all the time and it's just interesting that i don't know if it's because cologne has become our elixir to whatever is ailing us or if it was the game was getting out of hand and cologne just wanted to walk off i remember when they put up that there was three added minutes that cologne put out on their twitter page three added minutes why (laughs) it was they just wanted the game over uh, after the Good match, question. yeah, Bruno and Bruno and Baumgart hug. And then I saw Baumgart and Volgamut, our sporting director, get into it. And I'm really curious. I wish I knew what they got into it about. But Baumgart was pointing his finger at him. I'm not sure if it was about a, a play that had happened earlier or whatnot. But, yeah, it was really kind of interesting how this game got so chippy between two clubs that you would consider, yeah, would be friends, I guess. I don't know.
1: Maybe Vogel insulted Baumgart's hat.
0: That is untouchable.
1: You do not I, do, do You that. don't. And, and he, he wears it well. And I wouldn't insult <laughs> it. But I guess if you really want to go after the guy, you <laughs> go after a signature item, right?
0: His brand is in trouble now.
1: Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> B- going to yank your sponsorship, sucker.
0: <laughs> There's also another guy with a brand, and that is Bruno. So last week... We were asking the question, how confident are you in Bruno? And Bruno's popularity was not very high, let's say. We weren't too confident in him. One win can do amazing things, can't it? Mm -hmm. What is your confidence level in Bruno at this point?
1: Winning fixes lots and lots of problems. And I have gone from being skeptical sliding negative to skeptical sliding positive because we're seeing things like uh, like the change of goalie. He wasn't sticking with Muller just to stick with Muller because that was who was there. Um, Anton's growing into the right back position, so maybe, just maybe, the guy whose profession is to coach these people Whoa. knows more about this stuff than we do. Whoa.
0: Slow down. <laughs> I,
1: mean, I, I know it's. I'm, I'm getting out there a little bit, but... Um, Ooh, I'm going you know, to that out. <laughs> Maybe, like, one of the things we criticized Matarazzo for was making the same changes all the time and being slow to adjust. And once he adjusted, they were great adjustments, but it was like he second-guessed himself a little too late mm-hmm. before he made the change. And I feel like this game, at least, we saw some adjustments and some changes from Lavadia that were necessary for the team to have some success. So... If he's willing to do that, and if we see consistency with him making changes when we need them, and continuing to adjust, um, that that's a really positive sign. And, and also, like, sticking to his guns a little bit, though, when he knows he's right, like with Anton at right back. Um, I'm giving him a pass on that one for the time being. Maybe Anton will turn back into a pumpkin, and I'll be screaming about it next week, but uh, – Right now, that looks like a a move that just needed some time, and it's paying off.
0: How do you think Bruno would look in a Baumgart style hat? By the way,
1: I don't think he could pull it off.
0: You don't think he just has that? I've been waiting all episode to talk about Bruno's comb over. I just I can't. <laughs> I was trying to find a segue. There are multiple pictures on Twitter of Bruno celebrating and his hair going in directions that hair doesn't go when it's just naturally where it's supposed to be and far be it from me to criticize anybody's looks there's a reason this isn't on youtube it's just mm-hmm. audio which is bad enough but i was very impressed with the uh the beautiful bruno um you know, time time is a difficult mistress he catches up with us all i guess
1: well he does i You had mentioned this the other day. So I went back earlier today and and found some pictures. And first I found a picture uh, that I sent to you in the general Slack where Labbadia looks like he's Owen Wilson's father, (laughs) which is amazing. Um, I also noticed there's kind of an evolution about where the part on his hair starts in the front and from about a third of the way back and up to the crown of his head, it stays in the same spot, but you can see, as he gets older, it is getting progressively thinner up there and the part moves on the front end to kind of cover up for that. Um, we need a rain game where he's not wearing a hat because <laughs> wetness is truth and we'll show what's really going on up there. Um, I The reason I think he can't wear one of those hats like Baumgart can't can, is probably the same reason I don't think I could get away with it and that he's got too long of a face. Bombard's kind of a square squat guy. That hat just looks right on him. Um, I don't think Labadia or I could pull it off.
0: I'm going to disagree. I think he's got that Liam Neeson look to him, and I bet he could just wear it like Kwai Jong-jin or whatever in Star Wars, And which I'm probably mixing up many movies right now by saying that a Star Wars character would wear a hat like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, he might. You might be thinking of Samuel Jackson, who was also in that <laughs> Star Wars movie. <laughs> <laughs> and wears one of those hats all the time but he he might have that mean mug look where he could put any hat on his head that he wanted to and just make that face and be like this looks good and screw you if you disagree
0: <laughs> wait till we do our next movie review star wars 7 pulp fiction with john travolta
1: <laughs> with matt and
0: travis
1: <laughs> my favorite part was when the muppets showed up
0: <laughs> didn't we see that a couple episodes ago we were going to start to do movie watches with each other Sure. sure, why not?
1: It's be a good uh, time.
0: <laughs> You know what? The other amazing news that broke this week, just today, actually, I think, is that as we record this, it is Sunday, is that they released the Pokal final, uh, finale. I'm messing up a lot of words there. They released the Pokal schedule for the quarterfinals. And Stuttgart, after beating Paderborn in dramatic fashion, made it there. And everything is coming up, Stuttgart, right now, because we ended up drawing the only non Bundesliga club, (laughs) Nuremberg. And so, April 4th, Leipzig is going to host Dortmund. Frankfurt is going to host Union Berlin. Bayern is going to host Freiburg. We are going to travel to Nuremberg. I mean, the Bruno magic of being nine and three or 10 and three in Pokal matches. There's something to it. I don't know who he knows, but there's something to it.
1: It's it's hard to argue with it the way it's it's looking. And the one thing that uh, kind of upset me with that is the great um, website Bundesliga boxes, who do like vintage jersey sales and stuff. Um, they've got a fun Twitter account to follow too. And they said in uh, comment to that was looks like Nuremberg has their path to Berlin. I was like, oh, come on, guys. Come on.
0: <laughs> I am guessing on the Nuremberg American podcast, they are licking their lips that they got us, so we shouldn't get
1: too uh, confident. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, and I haven't. Uh, I, I'm staying unprepared. I have not looked at the Zvita Liga table to know where Nuremberg is at. Um, but uh, of all the draws we could have gotten, I this was the most favorable, I think.
0: Do you know who their coach is? I do not. Marcus Weinserl.
1: Oh, I'm feeling better about our chances.
0: <laughs> I know. It's crazy. So in 44 days from the moment we record this, we'll be traveling to Nuremberg. I am going to lose my mind if we win that game. And then the next match we draw. So let's say Freiburg somehow pulls off a of win. And all of a sudden, we're in the court. Ah, and we finished in 16th place. <laughs> so who knows what's going to happen.
1: That'd be a win for us, I think
0: yeah be okay i would be all right all right let's get to one of the ofc questions was uh matt do you think this win is it the beginning of upward trend or was this just a blip
1: i'm hopeful it's the beginning of an upward trend because of some of the things we talked about earlier with the changes with anton and the, the attacking kind of philosophy and we're getting some guys in positions that they haven't been in historically to make some changes we've got diaz now we've got Haraguchi. We didn't have before, and these guys are impact players who are making a difference for us. So I feel like this looks like a trend. Um, but we won't know until we get a couple more games.
0: Let's go to the next question that ties into that. Somebody with the OFC asked with the recent additions to the squad, how well do you think they fit in and play in the current squad? So we got Haraguchi, we got Gildias. I mean, let's just say it's Gildias is playing lights out for this club right now. And I don't I'm trying to come up with a guy that has been with the club over the last six, seven years that maybe I can compare him to. But I, I do think that one of the only things that I said that might be accurate about Gil Dias and how he has struggled everywhere he has gone is that he's always played for pretty good clubs wherever he's been. And he's always been, according to what you read, one of the worst players on that team, which explains why he's played for like 12 different teams in seven years. It's ridiculously crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I mean this with all the love in my heart. Stuttgart is not Benfica or in one of the top clubs in Italy or something like that.
1: So, no, we're 14th place in the Bundesliga and just barely avoided relegation last year. We're 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 not great. So maybe we have a player who's not
0: Champions League material, but is mid-table material. And look at, I mean, he's been one of the best players on the pitch in the games that he's been playing.
1: He plays with a a level of confidence that a lot of our younger guys just don't have. Um, I did notice that it was uh, reported that Stuttgart had the second youngest lineup in the Bundesliga this week, which is a remarkable change because for quite a while, we've been the youngest team in the league by a mile. Mm -hmm. So... Diaz is, he's fitting well for what Bruno's asking him to do. And I think your theory is right. Maybe he just couldn't crack it with the, the champions League sides, but for a team like us, he could fit in real well.
0: And he he certainly is so far, just like Hariguchi is Mm -hmm. as well. So he's been a real nice surprise. I thought we all, I think we all thought Hariguchi would fit in. We're just, we're a little disappointed to lose Ahamada. Gil Diaz I think has been a real nice surprise, you know, for us. Uh,
1: We we saw Haraguchi was a guy on the reserve squad for, not the reserve squad, but getting substitute minutes for Union, who's a team that's much better than us. And I figured immediately, if he's a backup, seeing the field regularly for them, he should easily be a starter for us. And not only is he a starter, but he's revitalized that midfield. And he's allowed um, Endo to play a little bit more attacking-minded and allowed Karazor to get on the field and play that fifth defender role, mm-hmm. which has been a huge help for us.
0: Yeah. I wasn't excited about Endo going to the right or the left. I liked him in the center a lot, but that's where Harry mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, but it's, it's yeah. He's been a nice surprise. Gil has been a nice surprise. What about this? I really like this question is uh, do you think the construction of Mercedes Benz stadium has affected the team in any tangible way this season?
1: Uh, that's a really interesting question like if you take a whole chunk of seats out you're reducing the noise uh the sound's not going to stay in as much because the seats and the people aren't there to keep it in Mm. it's got to be a little weird to step on the field and see what looks like a bombed out uh half a city block there next to your pitch Mm. but i i don't know I would like to think these are professionals who can deal with that kind of stuff without it shaking them too much. Um, but all bets are off with this team.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. I, I'm going to say no. I think it's a great question, though. But I'm going to say no. But we've all been athletes of some form or fashion, whether it's you know JV or high school or rec league or whatever the case may be. And we've all played in empty gyms or mm-hmm. fields versus – you know, gyms or fields that are filled up, not because maybe they want to watch you, but the next game or whatever. And it is a different vibe and it is a different mood. I, I'm going to say no, though. I mean, Mercedes-Benz is always loud all the time. Mm-hmm. And I maybe it's a little bit louder with, you know, actual seats on that side. The extra, what is it, eight to 10,000, you know, seats that are missing. But I'm going to say no, but I think it's a really, really great question. Just like this last question, Flabby Viking, frequent question asker. Says, you know, if red stripe doesn't work out, and as we record this, I'm hydrating with some, you know, red stripe. If you're listening, which rustolium was, so you guys should be too. Hooray, beer. If they don't work out, Norway's most common and popular ant acid, Samarin, also is red and white. And I think you said it best. So I'm just going to let you finish up uh, this segment. Why should we have Samarin be our sponsor?
1: Name a sporting fan base that needs antacid more than ours
0: <laughs> it's so perfect
1: it's it, so perfect right it's <laughs> did you watch the game this weekend samarin <laughs> that's it that's the whole ad right there <laughs> samarin you can have it for free you're welcome what's <laughs> so got you down samarin
0: <laughs> so we've got three options we've got an antacid we've got a jamaican beer with a red stripe and we've got Rust-Oleum. So really guys, get your stuff in order. Matt and I will be looking over your bids here pretty soon.
1: I I think we need a marketing department, one. And two, these three companies need to figure out the opportunity that they're missing and jump on the string.
0: It's yeah, we have almost 740 followers now, and two of them, not one, two of them are the fake equipment manager account for two college football teams. That's amazing. Hawaii in Arizona. So
1: those are both power five programs. I mean, that's not nothing.
0: <laughs> we got that going for us. All right, Matt. <laughs> the other thing we got going for us is this podcast is thankfully almost over. You want to <laughs> hop into prediction soon? Let's do it. so the good news, Matt, is that we leapfrogged all the way to 14th place. We are only five points away from first place, which obviously for us is is 13th. We've got Schalke got another draw, so they are 18th place. Uh, Bochum lost to Freiburg, so we leapfrogged them. They're in 16th. Hoffenheim lost by one to Augsburg, so Hoffenheim is in 15th place. 17th is still Herta, or I should say is Herta. They took our spot. They got blown out after having a nice early match with Dortmund. The points are still tight, though. It's 13 points for last place. It is 24 points for 13th place. Before we talk about predictions of the match that's coming up against uh, Schalke on the road, let's talk about our old fan Pellegrino. Uh, He's had two matches in charge, two losses in a row. The Great Derek Ray said that he's the first Hoffenheim manager to start his career with two losses in a row. I am not going to blame him for the first one at all. It was against, I think, Bayer Leverkusen. He was hired like on a Tuesday and, you know, they played on a Saturday or whatever. The Augsburg one's a little tough, but Augsburg is a team that knows what they're doing. Uh, I'm curious what your take is on Reno going to Hoffenheim. I think it makes perfect sense. That's where he started as an assistant coach in the Bundesliga, where I think this could burn down in flames though is the same reason why a lot of people said that pellegrino isn't cut out to be the national team manager for the united states which got a lot of run because he's an american who was coaching is it i really think pellegrino is a builder of a program from the bottom to the top and he needs to be there from the start to the finish build trust build uh communication and I don't think he's a just insert in and have results kind of guy. I love Pellegrino Matarazzo. I still wish he was our manager. I I absolutely do. But because this team is built for him and he's built for this team, I don't know anything about Hoffenheim. So preface it, you know, with that, I don't think he's the emergency. We're going to stabilize this, this, or this. I think he's the, you're going to be our coach for five years. We're going to start here at X. We're going to end here with Y and you're the guy that's going to teach us how to get here. I'm really interested to see how this is going to play out because I, I have a soft spot, obviously, for him. What are your thoughts on Pellegrino's, not just his first two matches there, but you know, we didn't get to talk to you last episode, him at Hoffenheim.
1: I think you nailed moderato perfectly. That's exactly how I conceptualize him as a, a coach as well. So he's going to have a rough go trying to be the the fireman um in hoffenheim i i think he's got the know how to do it will his communication style uh get through to his players fast enough um it who knows it's hard to see i'm glad that he's getting another chance uh it makes a whole lot of sense for him to go back to the club that he started with i believe his family uh still lives there so um Great all around for, for Matarazzo. I hope they avoid a relegation. Um, and I hope he gets a full season at Hoffenheim to show him what he can do and that they have success, but it's going to be tough sweating for him to come in in the middle and try and fix stuff.
0: If he can get through this season, I think he can be really successful there because that's a club that has money, a club that's willing to spend money, mm-hmm. you know, a club that up until recently has been, you know, top half of the table and they've fallen on some hard times of, of late and he likes to play aggressive attacking football. And that's kind of what Hoffenheim was built on for a very long time. As Hanna said, you know, last episode, and I, I it's weird because we're in a weird position because the Stuttgart supporters were supposed to hate Hoffenheim. And I have no love for Hoffenheim. There was a really funny thing going along on Twitter and Reddit about how all the bottom three clubs were all blue. <laughs> and now that's, you know, for whatever reason, you know, as a Stuttgart supporter, we hate blue because of Karlsruhe and all that stuff. But um, I have no ill will towards Pellegrino at all. I mean, of course, if it's my club or his club, you know, yes, hey, yes, yeah, suck it, buddy, <laughs> get out. <here. laughs> but yeah, so he is currently in uh, you know fifteenth place there. So we hopped over them. Everything's still pretty tight. So let's get into the the big match. I mean, a lot of people have said it. You know, this win against Cologne is huge. But if you don't back it up with a result. The next week against a beatable opponent, especially because you have Bayern coming up after this one, yeah. it doesn't mean as much. So let's talk about it. So we're heading to Schalke on Saturday. It's the late match of the day. Now, we played these guys 110 total times. We have 45 wins to their 46, so it's super close. If you look at the number of championships, uh, Pokal finishes that these clubs have had, super similar uh, together. We are 6-5-8 and eight in the last 19, but here's what I was shocked by. We only have one win in four draws in the last 10. That I was kind of surprised by that number. Match day five, it was a 1 1 draw. It was Vimmer's first match in charge. Yeah, hey, you remember that guy, Lillian Egloff? He started back then. Remember, <laughs> where'd he go, that that old fart? Uh, Furich scored, but T Rod scored three minutes later. Uh, Vagnemon got a double yellow. It was the second or third game in a row. We had a red card uh, from the 67 minute on. So we were lucky to hold on in that one Um, is struggling, but Schalke had four draws in a row. So it sounds like they've figured out at least half of the football game. <laughs> um, I'm really scared about this because this is the game you are expected to win. In fact, we're traveling on the road and I'll just end the drama here. Stuttgart is the favorite by half a goal in this one. What are your thoughts uh, going into
1: this? I'm hopeful that since we showed some teeth against comb that we'll be able to do something to get a goal. It's probably going to need to be an early one, just like we, we got, uh, on Saturday. Um, I don't know if we have the chops right now to break down a bunker. Right. Um, we'll have to see. The other thing is, can we hold up against the inevitable counters? And, I, I don't know. Um, I'm hopeful. We've got Anton tracking back a little better. Sosa's always been good about tracking back. Um, so I, I think the potential is there for a dominant Stuttgart performance and a win. Um, but Shaka does seem to have figured out uh, how to lock the door behind them. And I don't know if we'll be able to pick that lock.
0: I'm, and this is probably the most frightening thing that anybody who's ever listened to this podcast is about to hear really confident going into this match. But I was also the guy who was really confident the two times we played Wiesbaden in the second, <laughs> league, and we lost to them both times and they got relegated and we moved up. I just, I think Sean is going to play bunker ball. I think our defense is stabilized to the point. I don't think we give up a lot of goals on counters. You know, please record this in case when that happens, but <laughs> I think we give up a lot of silly goals. We give up a lot of goals on stuff close to the box. I don't think we give up a lot of counter goals of late. And I think that's probably how Schalke is going to score. Either that, you know, a free kick or something like that. But if it's a counter, I think we're okay. I I really think we have a great chance in this match to get a result. Now, I agree 100% with what you said. I don't know if we're good enough. We don't have anybody in the box, I think, that can actually put a Borna Sosa cross or any any kind of ball in the box away. It's gotta come from open play. I just I think we're really weak from from all those corners that we were used to and all those crosses that we were used to. So I don't know if we can break down a bunker ball. Would you be disappointed if it ends zero zero?
1: Uh, a little bit, but I think Uh, 0-0 would be kind of a, well, okay result. Um, I do think um, Endo's got some presence in the box and can move the ball around. Hiraguchi has shown that he's able to do that. Uh, Diaz has shown that he's able to do that. Burrish this week played with his head up a little bit, which was a nice change. Um, So if these guys can can use their ball movement a little bit more positively, there's a good chance that we could get one or, you know, bank a ball in off a defender. Uh, that's okay. They all come. So <laughs> <clears throat> I think the, the opportunities there, we're going to need to take advantage of every um chance Shaka gives us. Cause I don't think they'll give us a lot.
0: Yeah. I hundred percent agree with you on a lot of that. I, I think scoring opportunities are gonna be few and far between in this match. So I get to see another, you know, nil, nil draw here. So let's get to our predictions. So as predictions go, we all went three and six last week, except us. He went two and seven, which is why we have him on to do predictions. because He's so good. At it. Uh, overall table standings this year, Matt, you get three points for winning the week. One point for coming in second. You are by far first place. 36 points. Jeff's got 26. I got 25 as does Austin, which makes me uh, sad. You've got 82 uh-huh. total wins. I've got uh, 73. Jeff's got 73. You've got 72. So you're the one who... Yo, you've been rocking this uh, so far. You have correctly predicted Stuttgart 11 of the 21 times. All right. It's Stuttgart on the road. It's Stuttgart minus half a goal. How do you see this one ending up? What's the score going to be?
1: Stuttgart one no. I think we get one sloppy one uh, where Schalke has a defensive breakdown and they don't do enough to threaten our defense. And Bredlow stands where he's supposed to stand and <laughs> makes the simple saves he's supposed to make. And we get out of there with a the win.
0: I it, I think it's either going to be 0 0 or 2 0. I'll go 2 0 just to be at uh, the level of positivity. I think we're going to have this weird thing where we break that ridiculous, you know, unclean sheet streak two weeks in a row. And then we go to Byron and it's 32 to one, you know, type of score. But yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm I'm very optimistic going into this. Match. I think I would be anyway had we not had a result against Cologne just because we would need a result so bad in, in this one. So we'll see how that goes. As we wrap this up, the other big matches we've got we've got Hoffenheim versus Dortmund. Dortmund is tied for first, by the way. You've got Hertha versus Augsburg. You've got Bremen hosting Bochum. And oh, by the way, Bayern Munich is also playing Union Berlin for the uh, first place in the league. Yawn. who cares? So all of those matches, obviously it's not the Bayern one. You'd be watching any of them?
1: Uh the the Bremen match might be interesting just because Bremen all of a sudden is falling apart <laughs> and that's interesting. I might watch. Uh, I am a noted non-supporter of Union Berlin, but anybody who has an opportunity to unseat Bernd atop the table, I'm here for it. So I might sneak in a little bit of that match just to see if uh, Berlin can put the Bavarians in their place. It's crazy that you and I,
0: Rob, Austin, Matt... uh, your name is Matt, so probably not you. We we probably watch more bottom nine teams. Than we do top nine. Sure. Teams. So this, I agree with you. I I know I'm supposed to not like Union Berlin, but how can you not love this story of them having an opportunity here? I think they got beat up pretty good the first time these guys played. So it'll be interesting to see what what happens here. I fully expect Dortmund now that they have a chance to take the lead to lose to Hoffenheim because that's just what Dortmund does nowadays. Um, But yeah, it'll be an interesting weekend of Bundesliga. It'll be a great Saturday evening matchup for us against Schalke on the road here. Uh, Any last comments or words of wisdom you want to throw out there as we wrap this one up, as we celebrate a rare Stuttgart victory?
1: I'm just keeping my fingers crossed for a boring goalkeeping outing. (laughs) And I think if we get one of those, we've got a good chance of victory.
0: Yeah. Bredlow, it's all up to you, buddy. So let's see what happens. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Apologies for being even more unprepared than usual. We just, Matt and I, weren't prepared to celebrate. This is, we're, you can just imagine how much fun we are at parties now.
1: It it happened so infrequently lately that we didn't know what to do about it.
0: <laughs> Hopefully we're even worse next week, huh? What do you say?
1: Keeping my fingers crossed, I'll, I'll get some fresh confetti in before that game, so I'm a little more ready to go.
0: <laughs> All right, folks, get your confetti, get your acid, and we'll talk to you next week.